Although the characters we discuss are fictional, the challenges people face every day are not. The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Jedi Council Podcast, where we explore mental health in your favorite fictional characters. Welcome to the next episode of Jedi Council. This is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm good. How are you? I'm terrible. And let me tell you why. Oh, no. I heard, or rather read, this is kind of a weird thing about our, our about technology, is I often say I heard something, but what I almost always mean is I read it. And I read this terrible thing about one of the beloved Guardian of the Galaxy characters, none other than Groot himself. As you might remember, and this is the way I interpreted things, along with, I think, most people in the world. At the near the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 1, Groot turns into a almost chrysalis of wood to save the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, in an impact on a spaceship. And when this happens, he breaks into a thousand little pieces. And then after the fight with the, the main uh, villain of Guardians of the Galaxy... Rocket Raccoon picks up a little piece of Groot to keep and then plants it and a new Groot grows. And I always thought, that's really nice. Groot sacrificed himself for his friends, but look, he's okay now. We got baby Groot, and at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, we got teenager Groot. No, no. Let me tell you how wrong I was and everyone in the world. This is new. Uh, this is Groot's son. The, re- the real Groot is dead. This is horrible. This That's is such a game terrible. Changer. So was it James Gunn James confirmed Gunn, this on yes. Twitter? On Twitter, yes. How dare he? Because there was a conversation going where someone tweeted a picture of a porg and a picture of Groot, baby Groot, oh. and said, which one would you save if you can only save one? And James Gunn said, Groot is a sentient being, and porgs are like little penguins. Mm-hmm. I think the one with like higher intelligence is the one. But then the person said, no, Groot will be fine. He, he exploded once mm-hmm. into a million pieces. He's still okay. And James Gunn said, no, that's Groot's son. Oh. Regular Groot is dead. How does one move on from this? I baby? don't know. As that's a therapist, how do you advise me? <laughs> I I don't know. I got to say, that is that is very sad. That's just what I have for our nerd news call. Oh, I have a little nerd news, too. Oh, good. Too. That's our new segment, nerd news. <laughs> Nerdy news. Well, as... People listening may know Joss Whedon was supposed to do a Batgirl movie. There, he said he is not going to do it because he didn't have a story. Although I think there's some some other speculation, yeah, because um, as was in the news, his wife uh, said some things about him that are counter-feminist. Yeah, absolutely, and. that so people were concerned about it being problematic in light of that. Uh, but you know, either way, I was really looking forward to a Batgirl movie. I think that I just hope that there's still one made mm-hmm. and that it's soon because I really love Barbara Gordon. Mm-hmm. I now seems like a great time. Gail Simone was saying that yesterday. It seems like there's an eager audience for mm-hmm. a Batgirl movie, and I think they could find a great writer. Gail Simone would mm-hmm. be fantastic, but other people too, great directors mm-hmm. and people involved in the story, Patty Jenkins, but whoever would do mm-hmm. a great job, and not whoever, but mm-hmm. there's there are multiple talented, amazing people who mm-hmm. would do a great job. And so I just hope we get to see a good 
Batgirl movie and that it's not dropped along with that particular thing. So that's my nerd news. So there is a woman who, on Twitter, I, I was mm-hmm. following this story too. Her name is uh, Roxanne Gay. Yes. Are you familiar with yeah, her? Yeah, she's okay. a, a feminist writer. Yes. And she's actually written some really interesting stuff about her experiences of weight stigma. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So she also had tweeted that she would be interested in writing a Batgirl film. I don't know if you saw this. And from what I understand, some administration person at DC tweeted back and said, hey, if you're serious about this, please contact me and provided uh, or DM'd an email address or something. I had just read it, but I didn't see this oh, directly. Interesting. So, so that's kind of a promising sort of... It is. Uh, I mean, you never know. I don't know how movie deals happen, but that's sort of promising. It is, and she wrote World of Wakanda, which was a Black Panther spinoff, I believe... I believe that was that ended basically, but um, but you know she's had experience in that world. And she's obviously she's she's a well known writer, so I mean yeah. I, that would be really cool, and I think she'd have a great perspective from that too. Yeah. So um, there's hope, and I hope that they seize it because I think that I loved seeing Batgirl in the Lego Batman movie, mm-hmm. and I would love to see her on the bigger screen. Her story is an interesting one, and she's just such a She's a hero, and I loved seeing Wonder Woman on the screen, obviously, and all of the Black Panther folks. So having another person who we can look up to Mm -hmm. and brings hope and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff would be fantastic. Yeah, I think there are probably a number of of very capable and interesting people who can write that movie or, or direct it or any number of those roles. But my one request for DC, and I know they're listening, (laughs) <laughs> is DC, it's time to give Gail Simone some credit yes. in the credits. Oh, you have to. It's been... Oh, she Did she get credit in one movie? I'm not sure if she actually did. I don't, I don't think she's... Other, you mean ones... Well, she... In Deadpool, I think she That's what I thought it was, too. She got an yeah, acknowledgement in Deadpool. Which was not DC. Sorry. Right, yes. <laughs> uh, it's time for DC, uh, the DC uh, film universe, to, to give Gail Simone some acknowledgement, too, for some of these characters that she's worked so hard on. And has written, like, you know, with Batgirl, I mean, that is my favorite Batgirl, is the yeah. one that, that she wrote, and um, where she openly, t- you know, talked about it in there that Barbara was experiencing PTSD mm-hmm. and saw a therapist and consulted Dr. Andrea Letamendi on it, and then wrote her into the comics, so it's like, I'm rooting for I Roxanne Gay, Gail Simone, there are so many talented people. Do yeah. you... Have any actresses in mind to play Batgirl that you can think of? None off the top of my head. Okay. And the problem with that is is I'm not familiar familiar with a lot of... I, I recognize people mostly by their faces when yeah. I see them in movies. I don't know many uh, names. So okay. it's, I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask about a lot of those sort of questions. I feel like I had someone specific in mind, but then couldn't remember who it was. I, one of them, I thought... I don't know... Um, I don't want to get too fixated on just them having red hair because someone can dye their right. hair. That's not really a hard thing to do at all. And also, they don't have to stick to certain visual representations that right. are in there. But um, uh, Emma Stone is one person who came to mind. I saw her in a movie fairly recently and thought she was really good. Amy Adams, even though that's a little weird because she's... Um, Lois Lane. It's true. She is in the but, universe already. <laughs> but that's another person that came to mind. I, I mean, I also guess somewhat it depends on when they 
what point of time the story is, although yeah. an origin story would be very cool. That would be great. I suppose it would also depend a little bit too on which Batgirl they end up going with. So yeah. Barbara Gordon, of course, is the classic, I think. But you've also got Cassandra Kane, Stephanie yeah. Brown. Um, so if there's other renditions of the character too. That's true. I'm voting for Barbara Gordon, even though I know that everyone has their kind of favorite yeah. version mm-hmm. or whoever is Batgirl. But yeah, I like Barbara Gordon. It's not just because her last name is the same. Of course not. <laughs> uh, other nerdy news. Uh, if you haven't checked out our Rick and Morty podcast, uh, feel free to check that out. Uh, we've got two episodes out now. Basically, we're just going through a couple episodes at a time, talking about the episodes and trying to talk about any relevant psychological information or themes that might be present. Some episodes have a little bit more or less than others, but we're going to go through them all. And uh, we had been going uh, every other week for Rick and Morty and then doing Jedi Council on the off weeks. But I think, and this might change again, but for the time being, we're going to try to get back to weekly Jedi Council. We miss it. We miss it. it. And I never knew how much, when I, here's the deal. When we're doing the Rick and Morty podcast, I like it. I think it's a lot of fun. But I feel like I'm in handcuffs. I can't talk about any <laughs> character uh, in the whole universe. I just, I'm stuck in that Rick and Morty. Uh, so I just I need the Jedi Council back in my life and in uh, a weekly schedule. Yeah. yeah. So we'll be back weekly with this show. And feel free to send us ideas. We have kind of a, a list of ideas going ahead, which I'm excited about. But we're also interested in other ideas too. Yeah, absolutely. So that's all I've got for the nerdy news corner uh, for this week of our new segment, Nerd News Corner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's talk about Big Lebowski. <laughs> It's, oh, Felicia Day is the other person I thought of for Batgirl. Yeah. she's a, She is right now in the show Wizards. Have No, The Magicians. I Though I wish that. it was called The Wizards because that's sort of a little bit sillier. Uh, <laughs> the Magicians. Let me give you the quick plot of The Magicians. My hot take from seeing episode one. <laughs> the Magicians is Harry Potter. But if it was a little bit more after hours, a little more adult and oh, at a college I level, see. <laughs> I these see. aren't teenagers. <laughs> these are these are adults. Uh, but that's my take on it. It's like a call, a wizard college. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah. Well, if Felicia Day's in it, it's worth a watch because I, I am a fan. But I feel like she would be such a good Barbara Gordon too. Yeah, it's. I think I don't know. So it's like season three right now. Okay. She just jumped in. I don't know if she's going to be like a permanent fixture okay. on the show. So hopefully they can get her out of there, get her back to uh, well, not back to back row, but get her to back soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in Felicia Day news, <laughs> she had. A, I thought she had. A, apparently, people are bothering her, which is not cool. But that are trolling her. But she did have a nice tweet response. that had a picture of a little troll and was just basically like. I see what you're doing and don't. Oh, I miss that. <laughs> yeah. What were was... people trolling her about? You know, I didn't I don't know what the deal was because matter, maybe, but... I don't understand. I mean, well, again, it's the internet, so people are going to troll about any number it's of true. things and that's kind of their thing. At least there are good ways to block people, but I'm going to I'm just for those who are really deeply wondering what I'm talking about, I'm going to pull it up. She said LOL, when a flood of trolls attack you all at once with the same talking points over and over, whether bots or toxic board link, so sad they go out of their way just to let me exercise my mute thumb by trolls. And then she has this wonderful gif of a troll with big pink hair. And good for her, and people should leave her alone. Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion. I think so, too. It's just, I don't know. The internet's weird. It is. 
What other nerd? You get deep thoughts like that from us. The internet's weird. I'm like, trolls are going to troll. That's yep. my psychological you interpretation. Make, you can make a motivational poster <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, another segment of the Jedi Council podcast that we haven't returned to in a while is Frasier Watch. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm now in season 11, <gasps> 11 of Frasier. I'm moving the through. final season. I know, so I'm ready for my reboot here to start mm-hmm. over at season one pretty soon. Uh, it takes me a lot longer to get through Frasier than it does The Office, and just in terms of like watching a new show. But really fun. Last night was the episode where uh, Frasier and his ex-wife are set up on a blind date yes. together, <laughs> but don't realize it. Very funny. Uh, Lilith is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it Fantastic. Was, it seemed like it was sort of a, a... She doesn't pop up in the series again, I'm guessing, because it was kind of a send-off episode for her. Yeah, like, I think so. They were kind of wrapping it up, and... And it was sort of a nice way that they said goodbye, and Frasier kind of looks, gives her like a really nice look as he's leaving in the mm-hmm. elevator. So I figured that was probably the last time that we see her in the series. So there, even though she has a lot of characteristics that are they poke fun at, mm-hmm. rightfully so. I mean, it's a comedy show. Um, the actress is very funny, and she oh, plays yeah. a great part. And they do have these tender, sweet mm-hmm. moments where they're co-parenting or just showing mm-hmm. regard for each other, even. Though they reflect on the reasons that they parted. So I think that's part of the sweetness of the show that I like. In addition to, of course, all the clever acting and how funny they are. Oh, yeah. That episode is so funny because there's a couple in the room next to them that are fighting at a hotel. And uh, they sort of bring them in and set them down uh, and for uh, an impromptu couples counseling session. It's very funny. Yeah, I like so that. Good. You know, and Lilith is more of a behaviorist. Yeah. Much more so than Fraser. So I typically align with her perspectives yeah. on uh, therapy approaches a little bit more. Fraser is very psychodynamic in is. his uh, case conceptualization. Yes. Yeah, so uh, that's a teaser for upcoming Frasier yes. episodes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But for today, uh, Frasier Watch is is still going. Nerd News Corner, our news segment, is all done. <laughs> it's time for Big Lebowski. Uh, I, th- I think we're going to finish up Big Lebowski for today. So buckle up, folks. Here we go. Uh, let's talk some more Big Lebowski. Um, one of the funniest movies ever made. We've it been is. sitting here reading some specific quotes from the movie and laughing almost as much as just watching the movie directly. It's, it's so true. Funny. Like, I think that a funny podcast for me would just be to, like, hear Lebowski fans, like, the Achievers reading quotes and laughing. Like, that would amuse me because anytime I hear the quotes, it's just too good. I really think they have i don't know how many total jokes are in that movie but the ratio of joke to like high quality joke Mm -hmm. a plus joke to like time passing it seems like that ratio is pretty tight oh yeah (laughs) what's the little what's the full name of the achiever group the like little oh yeah 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 you could make a really fun podcast name playing off of that Mm -hmm. trademark (laughs) don't take that idea no just kidding uh, so we've talked. We talked last time quite a bit about uh, Lebowski. Today we want to talk a little bit about Walter, a little bit about Maud, and a little tiny bit about mindfulness. I think at the end. Yep. Uh, so Walter, pretty well adjusted character, uh, pretty thoughtful and uh, even tempered. Um. Yeah. Uh, very non-reactive. Very non-reactive. <laughs> Uh, inhibited inhibited uh very he's also very mindful uh 
No, just kidding. He's very mindful. So Walter is so interesting because, like, obviously he's opposite of everything we just said. Yeah. But he's got, like, a couple different streams of psychological things going Mm -hmm. on. So one is the anger. So we're going to hold on to that for a second. Um, The second one is, so he was in Vietnam, as he mentions regularly. Even at a funeral in the end. Yes. Yes. It goes back to that. Mm -hmm. And he... So he's thinking about it. He's talking about it a lot. He alludes to, I don't know if he's being expressive or means it, but talks about his buddies lying face down in the mud. So it mm-hmm. sounds like he may have been exposed to some trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that some of his reactive, um, hypervigilant behavior is associated with PTSD, but there's mm-hmm. not really enough information to know that. Right. So I think we talked about, based on the information we know, it seems closer to another disorder, which we'll talk about in a second. But then there's a third thing that's really interesting. He seems to have not moved on from his relationship with his wife. Mm -hmm. He dog watches for them. Um, While she's on her honeymoon? Honeymoon? Yeah. Yeah. With a new person. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) He takes the dog bowling. (laughs) Dog's pretty cute. Yeah, yeah, it's Pomeranian. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it's like you wonder about his assertiveness level because he's right. like clearly past assertiveness and in, into aggressiveness in a mm-hmm. lot of, but in that way it's like his ex-wife like Cynthia and Marty Ackerman are on their honeymoon or on yeah. vacation or whatever, and he's watching their dog for them. Yeah. The dog has papers. Yeah. It is an important dog. <laughs> it's what's really funny for me about the character is he'll. He has these explosive moments. Yes. But then all of a sudden he'll just be like back normal. Like, yeah. wait, th- dude, aren't you ready to go bowling? Like, mm-hmm. why Why are you mad? We got to go bowling. Exactly. And that's what, like the contrast and like moment of moment uh, mood changes for him and, and how he's interacting with people yeah. around him really does. It is very funny. No, you're right. It's a big contrast. So like, obviously, if he has PTSD, there's nothing funny about that. But we're talking Absolutely about not. the big Lebowski and uh, there's no other evidence like that he has flashbacks or that he's no. on nightmares. And we don't see that much of it. I mean, really, the only thing is that sometimes for some people with PTSD, they can have some of the vigilance that he has, right. cyber-vigilance, the the, and, um, and some can have some anger-related issues, like people with many different disorders. So we don't know if that's what's going on, but um, but you're right, like, he can kind of rev the dude up, which is hard to do. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he'll just be like calmer than you are. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, like, what are you talking about? Which probably, which does bother the dude even more because he's like, why are you acting like I'm the one getting upset? I wasn't even upset until you told me yeah. all this stuff to be upset about. Um, the, the interesting thing that the dude also pushes him on, I think, cause he's trying to point out like, why are you still doing all this stuff for your ex-wife? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things he talks about is because, of course, as is repeated in the movie a few times, like, um, uh, Walter observes the Sabbath and he doesn't want to bowl. He doesn't do a lot of mm-hmm. things on the Sabbath. And it sounds like he had converted to Judaism around the time he married his wife. And so the dude is kind of like, you're not Jewish anymore because that's yeah. over. And he's like, you don't, you know, you don't turn in your library card. And so that he still takes his Jewish identity down to the Sabbath and I'm not going to drive on Sabbath yeah. unless it's an emergency very seriously. And he does quotes and like all this other kind of stuff. And so it's interesting. And just because we're analyzing something that is extremely silly, I'll say, you know, it's true that if he converted to Judaism, that doesn't 
mean that he gets divorced and he's no right. longer Jewish or something like that. But the dude is trying to paint this whole picture that that's the same thing as the, as the dog saying. So anyway, that's Walter. They are an odd pair for a friendship. Very like, funny. the bowling yeah. is overlapping That's in interest. Largely, <laughs> it seems like, yeah. That's the main thing. Like, like I did in the first episode, forgive me for just continually mm. talking about parts that I think are so funny. Oh, no, that's but the best. I love when we see the scene where the dude is on the phone with Walter, and Walter's, like, trying to, like, get him to come to bowling mm-hmm. or whatever. He's like, no, I'm not coming to bowling. Mm-hmm. And Walter's like, well, is there, I, you don't hear Walter, but yeah. he's implying, like, are you mad or is there some mm-hmm. problem? And it's like, yes, there's a problem. <laughs> and I think that's one of the maddest we've seen the yes. dude is when he sort of <laughs> gets very upset with Walter on the phone. It's uh, it's very funny. No, it's very good. So maybe um, the thing that we thought fit, not knowing much information. You don't, yeah. <laughs> don't know a ton is um, the disorder called intermittent explosive disorder and that's mainly characterized by multiple discrete episodes of aggressive impulses that result in assaultive acts or destruction of property, according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is the book that lists the different classifications for mental health problems. So do you see any evidence that Walter exhibits those symptoms? Yeah, I'm thinking of two two discrete episodes that I think would fit, but there might be more, but two for sure. Uh, one is what I think is maybe one of the funniest scenes of the whole movie is when they go to see the kid with the homework assignment that's yes. in the, the, it's in like a, a little plastic sheet <laughs> to keep it safe. And uh, there's a Corvette parked out front and Walter just destroys the Corvette in response to the kid not admitting to having stolen the dude's car. And it's like not his Corvette. <laughs> it's not his Corvette. We find out very quickly it's someone else on the street. Uh, but he, yeah, he just destroys it um, with a tire iron or a baseball bat. I don't remember one of the two, but yeah, he, he well, yelling it. some very rude. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> some uh, some aggressive um, statements to yes. accompany his behavior. Yep, yep, and uh, so that's certainly a, a situation where the aggressive behavior was really not appropriate given the response uh, to the situation. Because they, re- it was kind of a huge assumption that the Corvette was that kid's at all. Yeah, and, <laughs> and even yeah, and even, even if, if it was, you really shouldn't destroy people's cars. No, right. he was making a lot of uh, leaps in logic yeah. there, and I'm glad you pointed out the second kind of part of yeah. intermittent explosive disorder is that the aggression's grossly out of proportion to any precipitating psychosocial stressors, and that's important because if someone is acting aggressively because they're being physically attacked or right. abused or something like that, then that's not considered pathological right. or disordered. We're talking about, like, a regular pattern where this person is repeatedly, again, it's not like sometimes, but they're repeatedly doing something that's assaulting people, destroying property, and that it's in a situation where it's completely unwarranted. Yeah. And that is, that's Walter's M.O. Oh, yeah. So what are some other examples, too? An- another, and I think maybe the most iconic example and scene of the whole film, which maybe is elite, but I think that's maybe true to some extent, is during the bowling right away in the beginning when one of the opposing bowlers uh, goes over the follow line and uh, Walter, in response, he says, hey, you got to mark it as zero. That's foul. And the person says, no, I don't think so. And Walter ends up pulling out a gun and threatening the person in response and just says, mark it as zero, and continues to say that. Uh, 
Which is not an appropriate response, given it. And even, like, in the moment, the dude's just like, nope, just let it go, man. Just let it go. he's a pacifist. Yeah. yeah. And then Walter says, I dabbled in pacifism once. Not numb, of course. (laughs) One of the many So that was an overreaction, but did they or did they not enter the next round, Robin? (laughs) I mean... You know, we that's something that in in my clinical work I talk to people about a lot is what are adaptive behaviors and what are maladaptive behaviors. In the short term, that was an adaptive behavior for Walter in that he got the bullying score that he thought that the person should have. In the long term, those are what we call maladaptive behaviors yes. because you end up in jail. Yes, yes, you should not do that. Yep. And Smokey did look spooked, as <laughs> I would be. Yep. And then despite that, like when the dude's like trying to confront him on it, he's like, calmer than you are, man. And he's like, he's like waving the gun around. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no. And it's like he doesn't have that. So those are two clear examples. I think another one is when he acts aggressively is when he takes the real Jeffrey Lebowski out of his wheelchair. We talked about this yeah. a little last time and drops him. And then remember when he's in the the diner and they're kind of like this is a family establishment and he's like talks about vietnam and talks about his first amendment Mm -hmm. rights and it's like no it's a public place and they just want you to act normally and he and he's just basically fighting aggressively Mm -hmm. to the the poor staff at the diner and then uh the dude leaves and and walter of course stays to finish his coffee yeah exactly he's just not gonna budge so that would seem like Aggression that's grossly out of proportion for the mm-hmm. precipitating psychosocial yeah, stressors. Absolutely. And, you know, you see that anger rise. Those are probably the most extreme examples. But he seems pretty mad at, like, Bunny and stuff mm-hmm. like that when he thinks that they're lying about the situation. Oh, yeah. He, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So you're right. It is it is a weird shifting thing, though, because all of a sudden something will shift and then he's not is upset about it right so anyway um have you treated people for anger problems before uh yeah not specifically but when i Mm -hmm. worked in the domestic violence program a number of the people in there had anger problems and then actually one person who i did see who i just let my mind did come in presenting with anger problems yeah did the person have you ever seen someone who has intermittent explosive disorder uh not specifically no i don't think so i haven't either and there's been some from my understanding um, controversy around the mm-hmm. best way to capture this because clearly if someone is regularly having anger problems, um, I think sometimes it's captured if they have other things going on with an antisocial right. personality disorder or it can be sometimes for some people in borderline personality mm-hmm. disorder, right? There's a criteria about basically inappropriate and intense anger. Um, but intermittent explosive disorder on its own, you know, you can have people with clear anger problems that maybe don't fit that mm-hmm. um i used to run group therapy for anger issues and the main approaches that we used were cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. approaches because a lot of the cognitions tended to revolve around believing that the person was intentionally trying to disrespect mm-hmm. them and therefore i have to strike out at them yeah um you know the classic is kind of like someone bumps into you and you assume they did it on purpose and and kind of learning how your interpretation is, in fact, related to your feelings mm-hmm. and related to your behavior. And then there are some other things about trying to um, get people to basically wait and not act on right. impulse, step back. I think it can be tricky. And the place that I worked most with people with anger problems were adolescents at that correctional facility I worked at. And 
a lot of them very tragically came from abusive homes and environments where they did have to be on guard. Um, and it was somewhat they had learned like it was adaptive mm-hmm. to protect themselves physically or to assume harm from people because mm-hmm. their trust had been betrayed. Oh, yeah. And so, but that behavior taken to other environments obviously causes problems. And so it was, it was complex, but we mm-hmm. really had to talk about why for their own sake in a lot of situations, it's helpful if they can reframe and feel like they have more control over their behavior mm-hmm. and thoughts. But it's hard when it's when you're coming from a place where that was adaptive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that's all I have to say about anger. I guess one other thing I should say is I had a grad student that was interested in aggression, um, and it was a little bit of a departure from the stuff I usually do research on. But we did a little on this, um, you know, there's this idea that if you're angry and you have catharsis by acting out in these ways, your anger will go away. Mm -hmm. But the research tends to suggest that you get more angry Mm -hmm. You don't have a catharsis when you kind of hold in your anger. Um, I mean, you should deal with it in other ways, yeah. but meaning you're not hurting people or property, then it, it can decrease your anger versus if you act angrily, you know, it you can it can kind of rev you up and create more anger. So. Yeah, it's not a, almost a misconception maybe is yeah. what sometimes parents will maybe with children. Well, I know you're upset. Why don't you go punch a pillow yeah. or, or something like that? But yeah. Uh, not not shown to be really an effective way. It can make you more angry. You know, and on the other end, if you're angry and you try to suppress it, for lack of a better word, and not deal with your emotions, that's not helpful. But there are adaptive ways to identify what your anger is. Think about the source of it. What can you do about it? How can you express it and get support for it that are more helpful than destroying things and people? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Don't destroy things or people. No. That's just a good rule for life. It really is. So I think that's all I got about Walter. I know we want to talk briefly about Maud. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I have for Walter, too. I think he's... I I truly think he's probably one of the iconic characters of cinema. I really yeah. think that. Yeah, I mean... And John Goodman is one of my favorites. I used to watch the show Roseanne when I was younger, which is coming back. Is it worth watching, Roseanne? Well, okay... I have heard different opinions okay. on this. I personally enjoy it, but I I relate to a lot of stuff on it. Okay. And but there are people who don't. Now Roseanne as a person, that's a different that's a yeah, different show. I, but just you know, there are people who like and dislike things she does. But in terms of the actual, I and I'm actually not. I don't know that much about it, so I'm just talking about the fictional right of show course, of part course. of it. I enjoy it because it reminded me of a lot of things that I saw when I was growing up. But it's kind of was depicted on TV because she depicted a family to me that was more realistic Mm -hmm. than a lot of families that were on TV at the time. And I also find it funny and that there are some sweet parts and some difficult parts about it. But I have heard others who find it um, obnoxious or they don't like it. Okay. Interesting. Those are my thoughts. Okay. If I ever have a chance to see it. I don't think it's on Netflix or Hulu or any of the No, it was streaming. on Netflix for a while. I wonder if they'll bring it back okay. before the reboot, right. which I am gonna I'm interested in watching okay. to see. But I that was one I liked a lot growing up. It was syndicated or something, so I think it must have been on when I got home from school or right. something like that. And they do um they there is also some just cool cultural references in there, which I won't go into unless we do a Roseanne show sometime. But um one thing I'll mention is that they have an episode where they play a song from a 
punk rock band that I really liked called oh, cool. Bikini Kill during the episode, and they kind of break down the lyrics. And since I was a huge fan of that in high school, I was like, oh my gosh, this is this. But anyway, John Goodman is yeah. incredible in it. So, I speaking of John Goodman, this is my John Goodman story. I am just now finally going to watch the Cloverfield series, and of course, he's one of the main characters in the. I haven't seen that. Yeah, well, then the newest movie came on Netflix, which was kind of weird because they had the trailer during the Super Bowl, and then it was released immediately after. Oh, yeah, which is probably one of the first times something Mm -hmm. like that's been done. Uh, It didn't get great reviews. Uh, That's the third Cloverfield, but come to find out, there's this entire Cloververse series of movies. So they're all sort of related, but not immediately sequels or prequels or follow the same story, but they all have to do with the same universe where there are basically aliens who are come to Earth. Um, there's a fourth one coming out that's during World War II where aliens were involved in some way or some supernatural forces. So kind of interesting, but yeah, John Goodman in the second one. I'm going to start watching the first one, I think, tonight. I'll have to check that out because the last thing I saw in was in Monuments Men, which a lot of people okay. didn't really like. Um, but I thought I'd mention, which uh, in the nerd news, maybe we should mention too. Um, I I think I I said before the the last episode that I really thought John Goodman was great in Kevin Smith's Red State thriller film. And um, as many of our listeners know, we love Kevin Smith, and he suffered a heart yeah. attack, and thankfully is okay and in recovery. But that was scary. I can't imagine oh, how yeah. scary for his family it was, and. I'm just glad that he got the help that he needed. Yeah, so good that he had the sense to uh, say, hey, let's call a doctor. Yes. He said himself, if he would have done the second show, he would have died that night. Because it was between two shows, you know. Oh, like, gosh. Like he does his show so often. Mm-hmm. I've been watching for him to see if he comes back locally so we could maybe see him again. Yeah. But, yeah so. I don't know. I, hang in there, Kevin. Hang in there, Kevin. I we know. We need you. You got more to do. Yeah, he said mm-hmm. uh, this was a big wake up call, so he mm-hmm. was going to look into maybe switching up dieting mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I don't know. Maybe oh, this is my unsolicited Kevin Smith advice. Maybe a little less smoking too. <laughs> that the, that may not help the heart all the time. But yeah, does he still smoke cigarettes, or does he just smoke marijuana? Uh, I don't know. I only know that he smokes something because I can hear it while, lighter, while I'm listening to. Uh, uh, well, I'm listening to uh, the shows. Yeah, so. I take care of yourself. I, his daughter and wife must have been super concerned oh, about sure. it too, yeah. and um, I don't know. But it was interesting how he talked about. It. I don't mean I know we're going astray from the main point, but how he's always had this fear of death and dying by a heart attack yeah, as of how his dad, his dad died, and that. When he actually thought he was going to die, it wasn't like that. It was more like content with the good yeah. life that he had had. I thought that was amazing mm-hmm. to read. It was. And I have heard about that from other people who have um, family members die of a certain thing, especially heart attacks, because yeah. they come on so suddenly and out of nowhere that they they brace for when that's going to happen. Yeah. And so he's so open about everything mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I'm sure we'll hear more about what's yeah, going on. He'll absolutely. probably do a stand-up thing. On that, oh, he'll I'm find sure. a way to tell it that's Oh, he could funny talk about that for hours. He could. I mean, he could talk about anything. He's, he will. he's amazing. Yeah. He is. So Red State. Yes. Red, I haven't seen it. it. Well, if you want to watch it, I'd be interested in watching it again because it's it's definitely different than a typical Kevin Smith, but there's still some touches in it that, that um, you can tell he's he's the person behind it. Uh, it's, okay. It's, but it's, a, it's totally like a horror crime 
I'd be really interested in watching it because I, I'm only really familiar with Kevin Smith making me laugh. And this is a, a real departure from that. It is. And it's not, um, I mentioned like Tusk, which I liked, but creeped me out. Right. Yeah. Kind of creepy, weird. The main thing that creeped me out was the um, walrus suit. <laughs> There's not a walrus suit in that. So even though it's like, it's kind of scary and stuff, like, Without that, that helped me okay. for my personal things that make me squeamish. Is John Goodman kind of the main bad he's, villain? No, no, he's not. I don't, you know, I haven't seen it in so long, but he's actually, he's not a villain and he's not a main person in it. But oh, he's, okay. Well, he is a main person in it, but the um, big star in it is Michael Parks, who, if I'm remembering correctly, hopefully I'm right, I think this was um, supposed to be a little bit based off of the Westboro Baptist Church in storyline and I think Michael Parks is like supposed to be the leader of that group. Oh, interesting. In okay. And hopefully that's accurate. That would seem like a weirdly specific thing for me to make up, so. Yes. So, if if anyone's still listening, we'll return <laughs> to um the Lebowski soon. Mod. Mod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um okay, Wikipedia tells me that's true. That um, I wasn't making that all up, that it did have some connection to that. I mean, it's not like a retelling of the story. It's it's fiction, but but basically, um, that's some inspiration. So anyway, but that's for another episode. Back to Maude. I just briefly want to talk about a couple of things, because she's a great character. Um, and, uh, of I mean, among many. I mean, oh, yeah. She's just, they're all... They're all so great. But anyway, she mentions a couple things that are worth talking about. She talks about um, nymphomania or ceteriasis in men. Um, she basically referring to her stepmom, Bunny, mm-hmm. as a nymphomaniac. And, and the dude's kind of like, sorry that she's a nymphomaniac, whatever. So I think we might briefly mention this, but in case not... Uh, the area of whether sex addiction is a disorder, which is what both of those terms mean, is actually pretty controversial. Mm-hmm. And the and from my understanding, there's a big pushback from people to label a frequent sexual behavior. I think I did talk about this last time, so I won't say too much about it. Um, I, I mix our, like, prepping conversations yeah. in our podcast episodes. But anyway... Um, to to pathologize someone who wants to frequently have sex basically as long as it's consensual and all and it's not causing distress mm-hmm. or harm so anyway but those terms have been used in the past and so that's um I thought I'd mention that um and the other thing about mod is she does talk about her sexuality quite a bit and says that it's a male myth about feminists that we don't enjoy sex. And I just think that I don't have a lot of mental health stuff to stay there. But I will say there is some research done that um, suggests that people's, basically their sexual satisfaction and their distress and impairment about sexual behaviors is related to their beliefs about what's appropriate moral or not so when you're working with people who are presenting because they're concerned about some issue that's related to sexuality it's just always important to think about um, what cultural influences are shaping the way that they're perceiving that behavior so i thought i would briefly mention that because it was an excuse to talk (laughs) about mod who i find highly amusing she has a pretty amazing entrance to the film (laughs) 
literally flies in. <laughs> she does, and I and <laughs> does the female does the female form make yeah. you uncomfortable, Mr. Lebowski? And the dude's like, uh, is that what this is a picture of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I I like that. And they're, I like their interactions because I feel like she's often coming from a, like, intellectual, academic approach to assuming, like, it's as though she's talking to a scholar who also has very deep opinions, but he doesn't really care that much. He's just kind of, like, having the conversation. So she's like, yes, my work is often perceived this way and that makes men uncomfortable and there's this... Um, this myth about feminists and all this stuff as though he's sitting there thinking all this stuff when he's really like whatever and like I mean he's later he's kind of like says that um, that is it Jackie Treehorn treats um, objects like women Yeah. So like this is a common thing we talked about last time is like he'll he'll pick up these pieces yeah. of things and then use them in another context where they but don't usually really not fit. correctly. No, but that it's is a cla- another classic phrase yeah. of he, he treats objects like women. <laughs> I just trying so to imagine what that means. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Such a wild movie. Absolutely love it. Okay. Objectifying women is not funny. However, no. the big Lebowski the is. The dude is funny. It is. Uh, so, n- none of these things on their own are funny. No. The big Lebowski is funny. Yeah. Yes. We're talking about serious things we, outside of the big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, but it does poke fun at some things where you, like, you have a little bit of an idea of what they're getting at, but then they yeah. take it to like the ridiculous extreme, which... I like ridiculous extremes, <laughs> so it works for me. Um, that's all I have to say about mod. I think we were going to talk, close up, you were going to talk a little bit about mindfulness because that was suggested to us. Yeah, our good, good friend Murray, who made Hi, our, Murray. Hey, Murray, uh, who made our Rick and Morty uh, thumbnail and pops in to watch me stream every Tuesday on the Geek Therapy stream, which we do at 9 o'clock mm-hmm. Central Time, which is so nice. He's such a comforting presence. Last night I was... I was just doing terribly at the game. And I said, does anyone have any advice? And he said, hey, Brandon, try not dying and maybe get good. (laughs) And I thought that was so helpful that someone finally (laughs) told me how to win. So I haven't, I need to start going into those streaming. I haven't been in in a while. uh, I think if I can just engage in a little bit of of self-analysis that there's some variance on how interesting they are uh, given how early I've gotten up and how many other things I've done that day. Uh, that uh, can change a little bit. So true of life. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. So. Well, you let me know when you're feeling rested and funny and <laughs> like good. not having your character die and, and I'll tune in. I will. Uh, but he, what he asked is, um, is the dude practicing mindfulness? Or I think he may have said, are you going to talk about the dude practicing mindfulness? And I thought that was a great question. And what the dude is... So I'm going to talk a little bit about mindfulness meditation, uh, but what the dude is really doing is not exactly that the way I think about it. The dude is sort of more of like a, what I, who I would describe as being very kind of like zen and non-reactive and maybe kind of chill. Not per se practicing the tenets of mindfulness meditation as I think about them. Like a more like a, a, the trait-like type yeah. of mindfulness, like he's his temperament right. or his whatever life events yeah. and life 
habits contribute yeah. to okay. there's some people in the literature right now who are trying to differentiate between what we call state and trait mindfulness so when we talk about state or trait anything basically state mindfulness as an example would be uh if i brought people into the lab for example and i gave them a mindfulness induction and then had them do some tasks and we would say people who have some trait mindfulness or state mindfulness uh might do something in this way when we're talking about trait mindfulness, that's just people's kind of overall, the degree to which they're very mindful. I don't know. Does that help clarify yeah. it at all? Okay. But the yeah, the dude is sort of, that's just his, kind of his personality. Uh, when we're talking about mindfulness meditation, it's kind of this combination of Eastern practices related to meditation and, and, and some scientific principles, particularly when we're thinking about the way that people have used it in psychological realms. Um, there are a couple of specific treatments that have been developed uh around mindfulness so one is mindfulness-based stress reduction uh the other is mindfulness-based cognitive therapy uh i won't go into a lot of specific details about both of them but basically they're both specific disorders that utilize mindfulness as a way to decrease uh psychopathology symptoms there are also specific disorders like dialectical behavior therapy therapy or, yeah. yeah yeah uh um, oh, yeah, thank you. No problem. Uh, dialect- I just not want to confuse anyone. Yeah, uh-huh. there, uh, dialectical behavior therapy, uh, which we've talked about in mm-hmm. previous episodes, Marshall Linehan, that uses mindfulness as a component. Mm-hmm. So the research is kind of mixed, I think, on whether or not the mindful, the specific uh, uh, interventions that use mindfulness as the primary component, how effective they are. I don't think it's exactly clear yet. Um, but overall, the research is fairly clear that it's a good or helpful skill to know. Yeah, right. The research is kind of messy, I think, because people define mindfulness differently. They use different measures. And also the the outcomes they're looking at vary a lot. So like um, the way that it's worked in dialectical behavior therapy, the specific context for it is a mindfulness allows you to use some other behavioral skills. Mm -hmm. But there are others who use mindfulness to increase compassion and yes. there seems to be at least in studies of that um what the people doing the study in their views tend to influence what you find mm-hmm. and so um there's been there have been some people who have suggested and we we will link to this I'll try to remember that like um my graduate advisor who wrote a book about this that, mm-hmm. and others have said this too that maybe mindfulness um it has uses and mm-hmm. there is some evidence for them but sometimes they're over applied yes when there's not enough evidence to do that. Mm-hmm. And so it it is kind of a mess because I feel like, uh, which isn't a great way to say it, the, the right. research right. part is a mess mm-hmm. because it's being used in so many different ways and different outcomes and different yeah. definitions. And so um, you're right that what we can say is that we've both worked with people and maybe yeah. ourselves found it to be a useful skill, yeah. whether that generalizes to the usual standard we try to use, like a randomized controlled uh, clinical trial it's harder to say at that point yeah we just don't know yet yeah um speaking of mindfulness i actually started a new mindfulness app this week it's just called mindful uh pretty cool it's it's structured it's a 21 day program that you get for free after that i think they're going to try to sell me on something Mm -hmm. um but yeah you start in the morning by doing a guided uh mindfulness and kind of basically they have you set some intention for yourself that day uh, then every day there's a lesson and some they give some suggestions for how to apply the lesson. 
Uh, and then it gives me like five reminders during the workday to just stop and take like a two breath mindfulness break. So it's not really, it doesn't really interrupt it. Like it's not like five minutes, it's just two breaths. Mm -hmm. And then at the, at the night there's kind of a reflection piece. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I've enjoyed it the first, I've, this is the third day of it. So I've been liking that a lot. Um, but yeah, mindfulness, very interesting. Uh, basically I I guess I never defined it, but John Kabat-Zinn, uh, who I don't know is He's not the founder of mindfulness. What's the word I'm looking no, for? No, he's one of the first people that used it in an no. um, intervention. Yes. Linda Hamill's, as she said, because, you know, in the mm-hmm. video that we saw last week, um, the first to bring it into therapy. Yes. And now it's used in a lot of different yeah. therapies. But, yeah, he's he's certainly been one of the main players in mindfulness for stress reduction. Yeah, absolutely. And and how he defines it as mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. Yeah. So. The practice of mindfulness, of course, goes oh, much yeah. further back. There's long traditions of it. And um, Linehan in DBT, does a, in her therapy, does a really nice job attributing a lot to Thich Nhat Hanh Mm -hmm. and his book, The Miracle of Mindfulness. And she uses a lot of the exercises he has. And I like that she she gives him all the credit. And so it's not like she's not claiming that she's inventing something new, which would be problematic. Instead, it's it's very much. And if I remember, hopefully I will. um, There's a great interview of Thich Nhat Hanh talking about mindfulness to Oprah, actually, Mm -hmm. and describing what it is from his perspective, which mm-hmm. is not particularly, I mean, it's not, he's not a psychologist, right? right? So um, hearing him describe it is great too. And so I'll link to that. It's an interview that I kind of yeah. like. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if that's something folks are interested in, there's a lot of good apps. Uh, most of them seem to cost money, which is understandable. People put some time into those. They want to be mm-hmm. uh, reimbursed for their efforts. There's also some good um, just introductions on YouTube if you want to try mm-hmm. any really brief mindfulness breathing or body scan. Or there's a whole gambit of mindful activities that you can practice. Um, it's it's a simple thing, but it's not easy. That's kind of how yeah. people think of it. Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned that some of the um, literature is, is mixed depending on how mindfulness is defined. Right. So, it's using. so one of the things to think about is notice how you're reacting to it and how you're responding. And so if it's something that you want to try yeah. and see it as helpful, great. I One of the things that I've heard also, there are a lot of different ways to practice mindfulness. Absolutely. So like um, the things that I find hard to the point of being frustrating rather than helpful is I've tried Kabat-Zinn's like lengthy mindful body scans yeah. where it's like 20 plus minutes. Oh, yeah. And that's a great for people who mm-hmm. find it helpful for me. It wasn't as helpful. So like for me, listening to music or taking mm-hmm. some breaths or something like that is more reasonable. So similar to other advice that we've suggested is like, if you want to try some of this stuff, I mean, it's one thing to formally do this with a mental health professional. Right. But if you, some of this stuff, like Brandon mentioned, is widely available and try it on your own. Just pay attention, which is a point of mindfulness anyway, yeah. to how you're responding to it. And don't force yourself to do it oh, if absolutely. it's not helpful. But like Brandon said, know that like it's not easy for most people oh, no. at all. It's, it's a really a, a practice. I have tried to incorporate it into my daily routine many times over and and quit and not stuck with it it's very hard to make it a regular thing for me i really like the mindful breathing stuff and in terms of doing anything guided i can't do anything over three minutes usually uh anything more than that and i just i can't sit that long and just listen and breathe or whatever it is I, i agree i mean i think the times that i do them the most is if i'm 
doing therapy with someone who's using mindfulness because it keeps me to do that. So I yeah. try to find those moments, which um, in The Miracle of Mindfulness by Thich Nhat Hanh, that's a lot of what he talks about, that he's not, um, you know, that he spends time specifically doing stuff that's more like meditation, but a lot of time it's about walking around the planet, eating a tangerine yeah. and all it, a lot of that kind of thing. That's a good point. I. I think that that might be a misconception for some folks who mm -hmm. hear about mindfulness meditation and even with clients who I've introduced, like, oh, would you be interested in mindfulness at all? It's like, oh, I, I can't meditate. Yeah. And, and whether or not that's true or not is up for people to decide. But mindfulness, as kind of we're talking about in this realm, is just doing things intentionally. It's yeah. not doing nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. paying attention non-judgmentally. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why Linehan put it into her dialectical behavior therapy, which is often used to treat individuals who have borderline personality disorder, um, who, as part of the symptoms, can have impulsive behaviors and have difficulty identifying emotions. And so if you're mindful, you stop and pay attention. Mm -hmm. And um, rather than judging your emotions, which can make the emotions even more painful, yep. it, kind of take, it teaches you to accept them as they are and describe them. Yeah. So um, anything else about mindfulness? That's all I've got. Okay. I was just, I thought maybe if there's anything, if there's nothing else about Lebowski, we could just conclude with the exchange that I think we used on our Star Wars episode, but um, mindfulness that, quote that occurred in star wars yeah that's we are jedi council that is fitting uh yeah this is from the first well the first star wars movie in terms of the chrono chronological story order right not release order uh star wars phantom menace i uh, i don't remember where when this takes place in the film but i'll just read it anyways so qui-gon jinn says uh, don't center on your anxieties, Obi-Wan. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. Obi-Wan says, but Master Yoda said I should be mindful of the future. And Qui-Gon replies but, to say, but not at the expense of the moment. And that's a nice, that captures mindfulness really well, actually. I think so, too, because it's like he's even using the term mindful to mean in the future, but really mindfulness is about the moment. And yeah. so it's nice that Qui-Gon Jinn, and of course, it's not a coincidence since... Um, Jedi philosophy is very much influenced by um, Eastern philosophy and other things that are related to mindfulness. Yeah, absolutely. So that's probably a perfect spot to end it I then. I think so. Uh, any closing thoughts beyond a nice Star Wars quote about mindfulness? May the Force be with you. <laughs> that sounds good too. Okay, folks, uh, thanks so much for listening in. Hope you enjoyed The, uh, the Big Lebowski as much as we enjoyed uh, re-watching it and talking about it. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more of that good Jedi Council content. In the meantime, uh, we're here wishing you good mental health. Thank you for listening to the Jedi Council Podcast, a member of the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. You can find more information about our podcast or blog at www.jedi-council.com. If you would like to support the Jedi Council Podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Jedi Council. The views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers. Additionally, this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help.